Welcome to the Call the Road podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Slayball, and this is my podcast where I have people on to talk about motorcycles, living with motorcycles, working on motorcycles, pretty much anything motorcycle related. And my guest this week is Chad Stewart. Um, Chad and I met when uh, we were riding down in Baja, Mexico. Um, Chad was on his way down the Baja Peninsula, and ever since then we've kept in touch and um, yeah, become friends. He's a sailboat captain in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, and he's done some incredible rides, including riding across the United States in just over two days and uh, riding up to Alaska and even down to Ushuaia, uh, down in South America. And um, on this episode, he's going to talk a little bit about uh, some of those rides and some of his encounters with bears up in Alaska. So uh, enjoy. So I'm here with Chad Stewart. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Chad. Uh, thank you. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have you on. So, uh, just a little backstory: I met Chad on a motorcycle ride down in Baja. We were literally uh, some friends of mine were sitting at a little restaurant in um, Bahia de Los Angeles, Bay of LA, and we see this Multistrada <laughs> go by and uh, did a U-turn and came back, and uh, yeah, ended up coming to the same place and. Uh, we uh, chatted and remained friends ever since, and uh, he invited us to visit him, and uh, he's based in Charleston, and uh, yeah, so we've been uh, friends ever since, so I'm really excited to have him on the podcast, because uh, Chad has done some incredible trips, that, namely the most recent one was that, that Baja trip. Yeah, how did how did you get into riding motorcycles, Chad? Oh, man, um, my, uh, my family, actually my uncle, um, owns a uh, Yamaha dealership in North Carolina. And, um, it's kind of funny because as a kid, that's all I ever wanted. You know, every time I go visit my uncle, it's like, man, I got to get a motorcycle, you know, my other uncle, his brother, um, raced a bunch and, um, was literally doing like, uh, um, crash reenactment for the police department and stuff like that. And, um, so there's a lot of it in the family and my mother, uh, who actually could ride motorcycles, um, decided that she wanted to keep me off of them as best she could. And I really didn't start riding until I was about, uh, 16 or 17. Um, there was a time where it was, I was going to college and, um, and I was going to need a car and the discussion became, you know, do you really need a car? And, you know, my dad just kind of out of the blue said, uh, why don't you get a motorcycle? And my mom's like, oh, my gosh, no, you know, oh, man. You know, I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I want to do. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, a phone call to my uncle, and he's like, yeah, I got something here that'll be that'll be good. And uh, so uh, away, uh, my mother and I went to see my uncle, and we loaded up a uh, XS uh, 650 Special 2. Um, that would be my first motorcycle. I, uh, I remember I dropped it, uh, taking it off the trailer, um, in my parents, uh, front yard and my dad just laughed at me and walked away into the house. And, uh, I pretty much, uh, cruised around the neighborhood for a couple hours and then tore off to the, uh, DMV down the interstate and, uh, got my motorcycle license. And that was that pretty much had one ever since. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. That's incredible. I know you said, and you said your dad was, was a heck of a rider too, right? Especially on dirt. Yeah. He, uh, he still rides quite a bit. He, he probably rides more than I do at this point. He hasn't really gotten into the long trip thing. Uh, he still works a bunch and, uh, 
he has a beta uh, 300 RR that he rides uh, almost every weekend. <clears throat> Excuse me, and he has a uh, an FJR um, that uh, we get together and ride a little bit. Um, not as much as I'd like to, that's for sure. But hopefully, uh, mm-hmm. in the next uh, couple of years, things will slow down a little bit, and uh, he and I can get out and take some of these longer trips together. Nice. Nice. And talking about longer trips, um, you, you've done some serious miles, um, on, on different bikes. Um, what, talk about some of those trips and maybe like what your, your favorite spinners, uh, highlight of one of those. Yeah, sure. Um, I had a super Tenere, um, which was a really good bike. Um, did a lot of two up travel on that, um, across the country a couple times on it. And, um, and rode it uh up to alaska that bike uh you know it was just it, it was really easy to do a lot of miles on that thing um just nothing really bothered me um uh, you know on my body the only thing the only thing i would ever have trouble with was when it was really cold um my hands would be sore from gripping the heated grips basically trying to keep my hands warm but uh I actually uh, managed to cross the U.S. on that bike. I, I haven't done any of the iron butt stuff, um, you know, officially, but, you know, I've looked at some of their stuff, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I, I bet I could do some of that. And um, So I left uh, Charleston, South Carolina, day after Christmas maybe, something like that. And um, mm-hmm. I crossed uh, – I, I pulled into San Francisco uh, two and a half days later, a total of 54 hours. And I did it in the dead of winter, so I was down on I-10 um, trying to stay warm. You know, I know the, uh, the Iron Butt guys do the 50-hour the uh, coast-to-coast, and I felt like uh, 54 hours on I-10 was pretty good because it's a whole lot easier to take uh, 40 and go across the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was Charleston to San Francisco, which is a pretty good little stretch. So uh, that was a lot of fun, but it was just one of those things that, I wanted to see if I could do it, I guess. And, uh, you know, turns out you can, if you put your mind to it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do any special, I mean, besides the, the heated grips, did you do any special modifications? Like with like, did you take extra gas along or anything like that? No, no issues with gas. Um, I, you know, you got a lot of time, uh, when you're doing those, long days like that you got a lot of time on an interstate unfortunately and that's really the only way that that you can get that sort of miles in a day um mm-hmm. at least at least uh multiple days and um so my routine would be uh I'd carry a credit card uh basically in in, a, in my right side pocket i would uh try to do two uh complete gas runs um before i ever stepped off the motorcycle so I'd pull up to a gas station, um, stand up, you know, kind of stretch my legs a little bit, but not even step off the bike, not even take off my left glove and, uh, slide my card, pump fuel, close it. And away I went, um, you know, five minute gas stops. And I would try to do that, um, for at least two, uh, full tanks of fuel before I actually stepped off the motorcycle. And then I might take a, uh, you know, I might take a 20 minute or I might take an hour break at that point. But, uh, I found, uh, one of the best ways to get a whole bunch of miles is, uh, get up in the morning and just go mm-hmm. and don't eat, you know, don't have breakfast and 
you know, maybe have a cup of coffee. I mean, I am a coffee drinker, but um, when you first wake up in the morning, your body's uh, making a bunch of adrenaline and you don't necessarily need coffee. And I found uh, I like to get up and, and do a, a full fuel run. I would generally uh, top my bike off uh, wherever I'm stopping at the end of the day, which I'm tired and I want to get off the bike, but it's a, it's a nice feeling to walk out in the morning and get on your bike and uh, it's all fueled up and ready to go and uh, make a full fuel run before I even stop for a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a lot of times I would do that um, and actually uh, just do a quick quick stop and uh, refuel again and then uh, make a stop at, say, uh, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning or something and, uh, you know, and I might eat like a cheeseburger for breakfast or something <laughs> like that. Um uh, you know, a a big high calorie meal and, you know, maybe make an hour long stop out of it. And then I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't stop again until dark, basically, um, you know, kind of a one or two meal thing and carry some stuff like, uh, some nuts, you know, like some cashews or almonds or something like that. And, you know, so if I did a stop at the gas station where, uh, I just needed a minute, you know, I'd drink some water and eat some, uh, some almonds or something like that for some energy and uh you know generally not even walk inside a gas station yeah yeah that's pretty that's pretty amazing so then when you when you got out to san francisco did you take your time coming back or did you just slab it slab it back uh that particular trip um my dad was living in san francisco and i left the bike there and flew home and uh and then flew back out to the bike a couple months later and uh rode it from san francisco up to alaska nice nice well not particular one yeah nice. how was alaska that was a great ride yeah what was that like um i love british columbia um that that whole stretch is just incredible um i mean you would go you definitely need a bike that can go 200 miles you know on fuel but several stretches where in 200 miles you might pass one or two um, other vehicles, uh, just incredible. Um, absolutely beautiful. Tons and tons of wildlife. Um, I think in one day we counted, uh, 16 bears on the side of the road. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, just, uh, just incredible. Um, you know, once in Alaska, I mean, I enjoyed it, but it almost felt like the adventure was over because Alaska was so much more civilized and, uh, um, you know, Americanized. The roads were, uh, I mean, you literally cross over the border and it's all of a sudden these immaculate roads and, you know, uh, bright painted stripes on the roads and that sort of thing. And so mm-hmm. it was, it was almost, uh, it was almost a little bit of a letdown, honestly, uh, after traveling through BC, BC was so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it just kind of BC was just kind of wild and, and rugged is that kind of stuff or exactly. It was, a uh, I mean, it was spread out, you know, not, not many people and, uh, everyone we met was super, super nice. Um, you know, you just stop at a gas station and it was like, you have a hard time getting away cause everybody wanted to chat with you. And, uh, it was actually really cool, but really helpful people and just really big, wide open country and just crazy roads. The, uh, I met a guy in an RV, um, pulled over at this, this Vista looking over this lake. It was just insanely beautiful in the skies in an RV and he was like um 
so how how many days do you think it's going to take you to get through this next section and i mean I, my ears kind of perked up and i'm like what <laughs> you know what do you mean how many days i'm thinking like the next few hours we'll be we'll be out of here yeah and he tells me that uh that the road is um is all pushed up from uh permafrost and that uh you know the the, the word amongst the rv crowd was that you could make it but there's places that you know these guys were carrying um like they were carrying like four by fours and uh stuff like that so that they could put it down in the potholes so they could drive their rvs you know over the hump in the road mm-hmm. so i was kind of like oh really <laughs> you know what's this going to be like and it was about a uh, 100 mile stretch that was pretty entertaining um uh, there were times that it was literally faster to drive in the ditch than to drive on the road, you know, and I was two up and, you know, fully loaded. And so it was a two up and two people standing up on the pegs and, you know, probably making 25 or 30 miles an hour down through there. Hmm. Um, it was, uh, it was pretty entertaining. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, once you've been through that kind of stuff, you know, and like roadside construction and in British Columbia, they'll use a, a little orange marking flag like you see uh you know in a city where they're gonna uh, do some digging and they send out the locating crew and they put little flags down to mark the telephone lines mm-hmm. they they use those to mark like potholes that would swallow your entire vehicle um <laughs> in british columbia <laughs> on the side of the road so um you know when you see a little flag you better be careful uh, but uh so it was really entertaining you know coming from uh I mean, you're, you're going, you know, 80 miles an hour down this road and you haven't seen anybody, you haven't seen anything. It's, you know, this nice asphalt. And the next thing you know, with no warning whatsoever, you hit gravel and you ride that for 20 miles and then you're back on the asphalt. And there's no signs and there's no, you know, warning road construction or nothing. That's just the way it is. Hmm. And so I, I rather enjoyed that. Um, you know, and as soon as you hit Alaska, you know, there's, warning signs for it'll say bump in the road and you know it's a kind of bump that you don't even need to get up off the seat you just kind of laugh and say yeah that's a bump you know (laughs) you guys should you guys should try driving in bc a little bit (laughs) that's amazing that's amazing and then once you got up to alaska did you get to spend any time up there or just kind of you turn and and head back south i kind of did the tourist thing um you know, and, and I was was going to do the dead horse ride and thought that, you know, the end of the world, as far as you could go kind of thing would, would be a good idea because, you know, I had South America in my sights and ended up going to Ushuaia on a bike. So, you know, I was thinking I want to go as far north as I can, as far south as I can. I met a guy um, on the road uh, in Alaska and this guy was, I think he said he was 72 years old. Mm-hmm. And he had on an old set of Vance and Leathers, you know, it looked like he'd slid down the highway a hundred times. <laughs> and, uh, and this, uh, he's riding a, a V-Strom with, uh, like 130,000 miles on it. And he told me that he goes to Alaska every year and he's done it for, I want to say he said 25 years straight. some crazy wow. amount of time. And, he was from Florida, and he would just ride up there by himself every summer and uh, and go back to Florida. And I was, uh, you know, when I meet somebody like that, I, I tend to kind of listen to what they have to say. And uh, 
he asked me where I was headed. And, you know, I told him I was thinking about doing the Prudhoe Bay thing. And, and the first thing out of his mouth, he said, why? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I said, well, it's because it's the end of the road. And he goes, yeah, well, you know, that's fine. You can go there if you want to, but this is what I suggest. And he, uh, he gave me a couple of routes, um, that I was, uh, I think was a good call. We rode across um, the Denali Highway. It's like half paved, at least then it was, and then it was half uh, half gravel, and it was just incredibly beautiful. And he said to do that. He said, "Don't go up there unless you, it's just something you've got to do." He said, "It's not pretty. The you know, it's just not fun. It's not that pretty. You know, it's just there's a lot better things to do." And so I really. I try to listen to folks like that, you know, when I run into them yep. on the road. It's kind of like when I ran into you guys, you know, and you guys in uh, in Baja had a a guy there from uh, from Ensenada, and you know, when he's talking, I'm I'm paying attention because because he knows. Yeah, yeah, that's his backyard. So yeah, he knows all the all the ins and outs, and yeah, the good places to go, and yeah, for sure. Yeah, the guy, the old guy, told me uh, we started talking about bears a little bit. He said that. Um, he came across, uh, he, he said something about the bears attacking motorcycles and I never actually heard of this. He said they like to bite the front tire and, uh, you know, I'm thinking, ah, he's pulling my chain a little bit, you know? Yeah. He said that, uh, he came across a girl up there that was riding, I think like a, like a F 800 or something and, you know, all loaded down and there was a, uh, a big brown bear on the side of the road and I guess she slowed down, you know, to like a crawl cause she wasn't sure about passing it and uh and i guess she came to a stop and then the, the bear like started to charge her and she managed to pull a u-turn and get away from the bear and she uh she tried to pass it again and every time she tried to pass the bear the thing would uh like come at her and she ended up flagging down a log truck and told him she was trying to get past this bear and she rode uh like right up against the log truck on the driver's side door and, uh, and made it past the bear is <laughs> <laughs> the story. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> uh, if it, well, if anybody listening knows that girl, I want to have her on the podcast and have her tell her bear story. Cause that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty incredible. We came across a, uh, a big brown bear in a uh, BC that was right on the side of the road. I mean, this thing was a monster. And, um, there was a car, uh, that had pulled off and they're like pressing their, uh, their cameras up against the glass. You know, they had the windows rolled up and, um, they're taking pictures of it and it's, it's eating dandelions, which by the way, uh, do not set up your tent in a field of dandelions ever. Um, cause that appears to be the favorite food of, uh, these bears, hmm. uh, when all the dandelions are, uh, are popping up. But this, this big old bear is, is right on the side of the road. I passed it at probably, you know, 35 miles an hour. It was in, it was on the other lane, but the lanes are pretty narrow there, you know, so I'm 12 feet from this bear. And, uh, my, uh, my passenger has got a camera and she's like, uh, she's like, I don't, I don't know if I got it. Let's go back. You know, so I do a U-turn and, and I told her, I was like, I'm going to go by in this lane and I'm going to be in first gear. And I'm telling you, if that thing twitches, I'm dropping the hammer. So, you know, <laughs> you need to, you need to be holding on with one hand while you're taking pictures with the other one. 
and uh man i was so nervous passing that bear and uh ended up with this hilarious photograph of a giant brown bear with dandelion hanging out of its mouth you know with teeth like four inches long and it's uh, a <laughs> pretty entertaining <laughs> <laughs> oh man do bear so do bears generally do they mess with motorcycles or are they pretty much just like you know go about their business that, as long as you do i mean that guy told me that you know that uh that, that they would try to bite the, the wheel you know i guess kind of like a dog chasing a motorcycle you know i've been chased by a bunch of dogs and, mm-hmm. you know it seems like they kind of kind of nip at the front wheel um but uh you know i don't know if that was a. Uh, a true story or not man but it was pretty entertaining nonetheless <laughs> um i did have an incident uh in bc where there was a, a black bear with two cubs and um one of the cubs was a cinnamon just really really pretty and the cubs were playing with each other and mom was just grazing on the dandelions and it was kind of a a, a deep ditch on the side of the road like probably 10 or 12 feet down mm-hmm. and the cubs um started to come up the ditch and at one point, um, you know, I was between the Cubs and the mom and, um, oh, wow. you know, yeah. And, uh, you know, just, I was stopping on the side of the road, you know, clutch pulled in engine running, you know, between the bears and, um, mom's, uh, demeanor changed real quick when they, when they got up there and, and I was between them. She, uh, the first stood up on her back and, you know, her ears went up and, she started coming our direction and uh i said all right it's time to go <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah they always I, i've always heard it's like that's the most dangerous situation is when there's cubs present you know for almost any animal and, you know they say that about um you know about moose or elk and stuff as well but there was a lot of moose up there in alaska actually um i'd actually kind of forgotten about that but um and they were they were all it was a early summer i guess is uh is calving season for them so there's a a ton of uh moose with babies and there were actually some uh some warning signs in places because uh, uh, the bears come out of hibernation and they're uh they're pretty happy to find a whole bunch of baby moose that they can chow down on mm-hmm. and uh so they can be kind of aggressive because i mean i think they generally say that you know those bears are kind of lazy and i mean they're omnivores they'll they'll eat vegetables if they if they've got plenty to eat but i think when they're hungry and there's a, a baby moose calf uh you know they might get a little aggressive yeah well cool well thanks chad for for being on the podcast and um your time where can people find you if they want to check out what you're up to and and all that yeah, i'm a sailboat captain in uh charleston south carolina it's uh holy city sailing uh www.holycitysailing.com cool cool all right yeah that, and I'll, I'll i'll vouch for his uh his sailing uh his sailboat there we got to uh swing by and visit chad in charleston and uh it was super cool it's like you go out there usually this time of year you see dolphins and all kinds of stuff and it's it's beautiful out there because it's kind of the uh, would it be considered the it's not the Outer Banks. Is that that's further up in the Carolinas, right? Yeah, that would be North Carolina. We're uh, the area that I'm in is just uh, slightly south of Charleston. It's a resort area around Keel Island and Seabrook Island. So, um, the Barrier Islands is the word you're looking for. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, the Barrier Islands. So, yeah, it's it's beautiful down there. If you get to that part of part of the country, definitely uh, look chat up. And uh, yeah, so cool, man. Well, have a have a good one, and thanks for being on the podcast. 
Thank you, sir. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of the Call the Road podcast. Uh, if you want to see some pictures of Chad's uh, travels, uh, specifically that bear that he was talking about um, munching on the dandelion, which is pretty great because now that you know the story behind it, um, it's <laughs> kind of cracks me up every time I look at it. But yeah, it's kind of like the bears in like mid-chew of his dandelion. Um, I'm going to put it up on the show notes. So I always put show notes up at thecalltheroad.com slash podcasts. That's podcasts with an S. And um, yeah, if you go over there and look up this episode, episode 20, um, you'll see that uh, that picture up there along with a couple other pictures from uh, Chad's journey. So, um, And as always, if you want to drop me a line, you can reach me at thecalltheroad at gmail.com. And, um, yeah, and then you can find the podcast pretty much anywhere that podcasts are listed. Um, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, um, Google Play, it's on there now. Um, I think TuneIn, it's on there too. So, um, yeah, and if you wouldn't mind taking 30 seconds out of your day just to leave a quick review, whether it's the stars or just to type up a sentence or two, um, yeah, that really helps out the podcast. So thanks again wherever you're listening from in the world, and until next time, see you down the road.